You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. We love our friends at Oscar Blues Brewing Company. I mean, it's not like it's already enough that they make so many great beers. They were the first craft brewery to put uh, beer their beers in the can, um, the, the craft brew in, of sorts, which was Dale pa- Dale's Pale Ale, really, really good. But they're also a supporter of oneofus.net. They are our really only advertiser right now, and you should, guys should support them uh, as well. The subscribers, and you guys are the main reason we're able to stay alive. Thank you so much. Think about becoming a subscriber. If you like oneofus.net, it is those guys that are the reason we're still here. And I tip my hat to you. Do you have a suggestion or some consternation or a verbal high five? Send it to message somebody at gmail.com and we occasionally check it. Like, we have a lot to talk about. We haven't done the show in three weeks, so. Fertile ground. Fertile ground. All right. I swear it's been more than three weeks. Well, I mean, technically, I guess it's been a month, right? But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the last three, we've taken the last three weeks off. So we're here. We're back. We are. Yeah. Well, stronger, taller, probably here. rounder. Yeah. I'm a little bit rounder. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, so I guess some housekeeping notes, right? Like. There are we we have um, we have some replacement players this evening. Uh, we'll get to those in just a second. Um, Shane is not here this evening, and he'll be uh, he'll be back with us at some point. But he's going to take a little bit of time and and just um, he's going through like kind of a George Harrison phase where he just wanders off in the woods and plays, plays sitar. sitar. He plays sitar like yeah. a lot. Yeah, right. and so if you've never heard a sitar solo, um, don't. So anyway, yeah, he's doing that, and uh, and um, Ryan just couldn't make it. <laughs> so he's like, it's he, he like he's working. He's not just wandering like, the streets. It's like we're eventually going to record again. But yeah, between between South by running around and uh, and I had a couple of things pop up, and um, we just haven't been at this time of year in Austin in general is wonky, and so we've not been able to get together. But we are excited to invite uh, to join us this evening. Friend of the show, Mr. Chad Swiatecki, he of uh, oh, Rolling Stone and Spin Bylines and uh, business publications and then probably uh, you know a, a dark uh, blog that none of us have found yet. <laughs> I got some hot pamphlet action coming down the pipe, <laughs> good, yeah. so you know, keep good. an eye out for that. And trifold uh, that shit. I'm the, I'm yeah, the make king, it happen. I'm the king of the pamphlets. It's like, uh, it's like the it's like low rent, baby. It's like the zeniest of the zines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we're also happy to uh, invite, uh, first time to sit in with us, Mr. Alec Boyd. Alec, how are you? I am doing pretty well. It's a uh, pleasure to be here. First time caller, long time listener. Oh, excellent. So we won't, <laughs> we won't ask you about what you heard, <laughs> but but uh, but thanks for joining us. And you're you're a music guy. Like tell 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 us a little bit about like kind of what. So we just came out of South by. We won't spend a, a ton of time on that, but just give us a second and tell us about what you did this past week yeah um well i work in the the startup world as well so it's it's interesting to wear two hats and start out the first couple of days mingling and schmoozing at fancy parties and then i had a lot of friends from bands come in on the later half of the week and they were couch surfing and they snuck me into a lot of cool shows uh ultimately it was a lot of sleepless nights and free booze uh so the, i guess the the really the lesson there is start running with a better uh group of friends <laughs> 
So, He's your friends who play the pitchfork. Right? Ex- exactly. Um, okay, so well, let's uh, let you want to jump on into it. Let's play some theme music. All right. Um, I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. I'm Chad. And I'm Alec. This is somebody likes it. So you could almost say that uh, with the with having gone through South by Southwest, we're like kind of now. You know, we had the first day of spring yesterday, and now we're you know pretty much staring full on festival season. And the announcements are starting to come out. Mm-hmm. And Chad, you you waved at me yesterday with some news. What are what uh what's happening? Yeah, we are officially down the festival trail because. Uh, we have the uh, lineup for this year's Lollapalooza, which takes place in oh, Chicago. Oh, I hear that's good. Yeah. I'm sorry? I said I just hear that's good. Who's oh. in it? Who, who, are the, who are headlining? All right. So we've got uh, The Weeknd, Bruno Mars, Jack White, the Arctic Monkeys are your headliners. Then some other notable names near the top are Vampire Weekend, playing what looks to be their first show in four years, The National, uh, Churches, St. Vincent, Tyler the Creator, Travis Scott, Chromio, then it goes on. Oh, from right on. There. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is about, um, and I never thought of them this way before uh, he said this, and now I can't think of them any other way, but uh, Shane said that the Arctic Monkeys always sound like they want to fight. And it's like now every time I hear an Arctic Monkeys song, I'm like, oh, those dudes want to kick somebody's ass. They're pretty aggressive. They are a little aggressive. They're a little dark. Uh, yeah. so they grew up in a rough neighborhood in England. Soccer Maybe that's hooli- what it is. Soccer hooligans. It's like an industrial kind of neighborhood, kind yeah. of Beatles-y story. So we've got, we got that. I mean, I was a little bit surprised, or at least did a bit of a double take when I saw that The weekend was the, the top act on that bill, which I guess means that he's, you know, usually when you see an act higher up on a bill than you might normally think. It means that they're going to have a huge year that kind of everyone in the industry is kind of lining up behind right. this artist. And so I think The weekend is probably going to be an artist of 2018 for the second half of the year. Aren't they all under Lollapalooza? And C3. It's, like, it's all C3, C3 yeah. slash Live Nation now. Right. So it's like um, there, is a, there is a circuit. So when you say that like somebody's going to have a big 2018 because they're headlining one of those shows, stands yeah, the and, reason that and he's also the third, the uh, Friday or the, the third headliner for uh, um, Coachella, Coachella this year. So I mean right. That, that right there too, and also of interest here in Austin. Usually because of C3, there's a good bit of carryover or portability from one lineup to the next. So. I mean, they, they trade them like baseball cards at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, you've got Bruno Mars on that show. He's playing out of, out of the racetrack for the F1 races here, so he's not going to be at ACL Fest. So you take him out. Everyone says Eminem is going to be an ACL headliner this year. Um, so, uh, But I think Jack White will probably be there, Alec was thinking. Uh, Arctic Monkeys I definitely see having... I mean, they, they kind of hit the stride at the end of that last album circuit. They got to headline a couple festivals, but... I think this is uh, this is them hitting their stride now. Uh, it's kind of I'm sure it's an odd experience for them being. I mean, since they debuted in the UK, they've been the biggest band around, and you know it's that the latency as they jump the, the the pond, as they say. Sure. So again, you see them probably everyone lining up behind them and and putting all their gunpowder behind them. So. Yeah. Well, uh, so 
Okay, so the shows are starting to line up. Spring exactly. is spring is sprung, as they say. Although, don't tell the Northeast. And uh, and I think you know, really, probably that news is only secondary to the fact that Keyboard Cat died this week. Saw that. So, yeah. Yes, I know. Pour some right? out for the homies. Yeah, holy shit. That cat had 820,000 followers on Facebook. 820,000. Uh-huh. So maybe he should be, maybe the reanimated corpse of Keyboard Cat should be headlining. Uh, hol- hologram hologram keyboard cat. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, do we have any hologram uh, startups here in Austin? Let's get working on that. No, uh, but, you know, we did talk, but we won't, we won't. Demagogue on this, but we did talk about it in, in, in a separate show. Can't wait that, to hear this. Hey, stay with me. The uh, that part of the hologram thing is really like an old magic trick from the 1800s that involves like a series of mirrors and a like an orchestra pit, and that's part of the way that those are done. Like old school, like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway. So suck it with your uh, pre-story observations for my tale that I didn't ever actually give you a have to. my deepest sympathy, <laughs> sir. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I I'm eating my words oh, I with a fork. Well, I'll give you some salt or whatever. Thank you. Um, anyway, none of those reasons are the reason that we're here tonight. We are we're here to cover. And so, first of all, let's we'll set the stage a little bit. So. Um, so we knew that Shane wasn't going to be here tonight. Ryan, I found out a little bit later in the game, he was not going to be able to make it. And so I'm glad that I was able to bring you guys in as package deal since you know each other. But also, um, it's this is admittedly a record that it's different than anything that we've ever covered, and uh, and kind of intentionally so. And I, and so what I, the record that I'm talking about is the uh, Travis Meadows LP first cigarette. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about his background in in just a second because that story is sort of like half the tale here. But beyond it, um, we just we don't cover very much country. And this is a guy who made his bones first writing songs for other people, some of which have done particularly well. Uh, and and he still seems to be kind of flying under the radar, even for some of the laudatory things that some. Some uh, reviewers have said about his work thus far. But anyway, yeah, so that's what we're talking about. First impressions, Chad. Oh, yeah, this was a complete left field, out of left field, and never even heard the guy. No, it's exactly name. like the Stone Roses. I can't believe you're not listening to this all the time. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was like, okay, so, some country guy. That's that's new for these guys. Let's, let's see what this is all about. And um, I guess... You know, this thing didn't do a whole lot for me. It it's fine. It's 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 pleasant. It's it's not bad. But uh, it it there was Alec and I were talking on the on the drive over here. There's no there's not much in the way of, of uh, tempo dynamics of of just uh, volume dynamics. It's kind of all just right down the middle of the road tempo and volume wise and, and energy wise. There's a little bit of variance, but not much. Felt to me a little bit like um, the fellow who's the lead singer of um, Gaslight Anthem, Brian Fallon, trying to do a country record um, and not exactly succeeding oh, all that well. That is, that's an interesting observation. And so, I, you know, I thought not bad, but just uh, kind of easily. Uh, you know, I'll, I won't think about it again after after tomorrow, I don't think. 
Makes sense. I mean, there's certainly some that I've approached that way. I guess um, we'll get to my take. Mark, you've had a, you've had a little bit more time than Alec to soak this in, so I'll hit you up. First. Well, I mean, you say that uh, that this guy's backstory is about fifty percent of of you know what can be covered here. I would say that it's probably more about seventy to eighty percent. You think so? Um, I, his 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 history's fascinating. If it's not, a little crazy, if not downright just morose. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard a lot of a lot of Bruce Springsteen. In, in this stuff, Nebraska, especially, um, and you know, I didn't. I mean, I, I I did spend a lot of time with it, and I and it wasn't it wasn't that bad for for a country album. I'm not a not a big fan of country music, but um, but I felt like uh, the the songwriting was was pretty decent. Um, yeah, I agree. Not a whole lot of hooks. Uh, pretty pretty standard across the board, but but I enjoyed it. Okay. Alec? Yeah, so, again, way out of left field for me. I did some, some research before the first listen, and, you know, I was pretty stoked going into this. Uh, again, we'll go into the backstory a little bit more. And uh, he started, he wrote his couple songs for larger country artists like Eric Church, Jake Owen, uh, and those did pretty well there. And, and he's teaming up with a, a big-time producer who's done a lot, a collective mix of music outside of country as well. Uh, I was pretty stoked going into it couple songs in i was i'm still on board and slowly i felt like the the production started to shift a little bit more and it was losing me uh started strong for me and it faded pretty quick uh but you know i respect this guy as a songwriter uh, i think that maybe he might have lost some of the creative control at the end product i mean I, yeah i guess that's totally possible i do think that this is one of the things it's like so i, I when i We've talked a little bit around the backstory, and the backstory, uh, per what what Alex just mentioned, Alex just, Alex just mentioned was the idea that you know that uh, he has he's been writing on behalf of others, and that that's just like frankly, like that's how Willie Nelson got started. Like it it has happened before. That's how they play uh, in Nashville. It's a farm system. It is a farm system. Yeah. So, um, and for whatever it's worth, uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame, one of my favorite halls of fame. So it's it's remarkable. But uh, I, I actually prefer it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's fair. What's yeah. your 14th favorite Hall of Fame? Uh, the uh, Pithy Comment Hall of Fame. Yarn and twine for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> right after the Pith Helmet Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's, 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 they're next to each other. It's, you, get, you have to be very careful and you don't that, make that mistake. Mark just earned his place in the Pithy Comment Hall of Fame. <laughs> exactly. We've gone meta. This is... This uh, shows a giant circle. Anyway, yeah, no, you know, you know, I mean, so here's the thing. So there's the idea that there is a the writing circuit that happens in Nashville, that that's a real deal. There's also the idea that this guy, in some ways, has the sort of like an exclamation point version of the quintessential like bad luck country backstory. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of that, and then you throw in like the – Apparently he was an evangelical for a while, so okay, there's that whole thing. But he queued it up on either side with like lots of drugs and then hardcore alcoholism, and then <laughs> and he's lost a leg somewhere and his parents split. But he wasn't invited to be a part of either new family, and then he got cancer at 14. So it's like the you know the the whole backstory on where this guy came from. It's like you know you can kind of see how like you really have one of two choices, right? One is 
um, write this record and the ones that became for it. And the other one is, is you know, we're probably not doing a very long show about you. So. <laughs> well, he could also be a blues musician. Well, yeah. Because holy shit. But I, I mean, mean yeah. same deal. It's the crossroads, brother. Like, that's what we're talking about. I mean, he even references that in one of the songs. Clearly that hit home. I think he's from Mississippi, too. And Right. Robert, this is the, the Robert Johnson reference. Yeah. Yeah. There is a little bit of... Uh, of that, and you certainly like, and Mark, you mentioned the the Springsteen thing. Like, clearly, like that's an influence he kind of wears on his sleeve, which is not something that I necessarily expected to hear right off the get go. But like, I was like, whoa, well, there it is. And you see, whatever. that's where the I drew the Fallon com- comparison because sure, you know, Gaslight Anthem is basically <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, you know, as a band, as a, a full punk band, basically. So right. yeah, there's. You know, when you call a song, you know, Waiting for Jungle Land, it's like, all right, uh, I, I know where this thing's going right when I uh, hear the... So do you feel like it was too linear? Is that, like, did it lead you down the path more than you had preferred? I mean, because that's the thing. It's like when you talk about, like, that viscerally, mm-hmm. the music didn't really grab you, which right. I totally get. Um, lyrically, it feels like that's really what he calls home. Like, he, like it's almost more important to him that, like, that's where he's been... Yeah, that's where he's been hitting doubles, to use the baseball euphemism. Yeah, I know. Like the lyrics here didn't uh, didn't drag anything down, but also didn't stand up stand out to me in any real special yeah. way. I don't know. Um, so on your movie poster, it would just say "fine." Period. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, in, in the critics in the critics world, uh, no one can complain about a B. And sure. you give it a B and move right along. Yeah, so that happens. And, and, and with the lyrics too. Um, Again, I think this guy was singing genuinely. He's had a lot of influences and experiences to draw from, but he also started doing drugs at 11 in Mississippi. Um, maybe his his range of words that he can draw from aren't, aren't the most impressive and moving, but, uh, I mean, he was genuine. I felt a couple of those songs, he, it, was, it was a little bit moving, but, and then talking about the jungle land, you know, he's just a good old boy who likes tight jeans and Dairy Queen and Springsteen. Well, and I will say this, like, so a couple of the reviews that I came across, like, really what, what struck the reviewer, one of them in particular was, like, just that anytime you find a record with somebody with, with chops, like, whatever you guys end up thinking about this record mm-hmm. aside, like, anybody, somebody with enough um, musical, ac- lyrical and musical acumen to make the most of it, the... I am sober for real after being in the, you know, like essentially like being on the razor's edge for a while. Like those are records that in this review, like this one reviewer that I was reading really seemed to connect with. Like, and he, and he also referenced that with regard to Jason Isbell, but, um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a sweeping generalization, but I could see also that's like, if you're, if you're, I could see how the formula would work because if you are a songwriter and mm-hmm. you're writing with essentially nothing to lose and kind of just putting it all like just vomiting your life out onto the page, like it's going to be dark. And if it's even halfway good, there are probably going to be some people who notice. I, th- I think the the songwriting. Um, I mean, the fact that he's so- you know songwriting for so many kind of well known country artists, it, it, it hits right home for me because. Lots of times that you, when you mention Isbell, when and and also um, there are hints of Steve Earle here and there. I could see that. Um, and you know, I had a thing when I was I was listening to the record, 
uh, last night and kind of did that thing where Spotify kind of will go further into their catalog and then start serving you up other stuff. And, the, you know, when I li- listened to some other things in his catalog, seen a lot more lively, a lot more rough, a lot more just stuff going on in the, mi- in the mix and the music. And so part, I think part of my problem with this record is just the the kind of, there's kind of a blanket of of restraint over the whole thing kind sure. of musically and that really really bogged me down but then when I got into artists like Ryan Bingham and again Steve Earle and then others that you can kind of see the, the the similarities but they're like there's just a more life more pep more um kind of a little more unhinged this thing seems a little kind of restrained wherever I, in a lot of places where I don't want it to be restrained well Okay, and, and let's talk a little bit about that on the other side, but let's listen to uh, – why don't we listen to a track? Um, why don't we do why – don't we, why don't we start with Sideways? There you go. If I could buy myself a conscience that wasn't broken, mend every fence I drove my heart head through. Relock all the doors I wish I never opened. Unlearn the things I wish I never knew. Then it came out through the bottom, came out through my fears, came out way too early. I wish it never did. You're not for nothing. It's it's not a huge point, but it is worth noting that you know that song, and then the song after the two longest on the record, and they kind of start they start out the, the you know the record over six minutes, or usually got twelve minutes yeah. right at the start, and then everything else kind of goes a little bit at a faster clip. Not again, not with a ton more oomph and energy, but I it's an, an interesting interesting choice i don't really know kind of what might have caused that but we're just worth noting i thought well you mentioned that and then alec you mentioned during the break like essentially the sequencing like the way that some of the songs run like one right into the other and i do feel like those are two not typical choices like um and the funny thing is like just from what i have read and then just reading some of the interviews and whatnot it doesn't sound like this is necessarily intentionally intended as a quote concept record but it plays a little bit like that. It does. The, the, the flow of it. I think I even read one of his an interviews somewhere where he described the producer pulling off some quote unquote Pink Floydish moves to, to transition the tracks. Well, and this is the first one that he's come out with that has that he hasn't self produced. So I do think that like some of the restraint that you're talking about and some of the mm-hmm. some of the production tricks are probably just based on the fact that you've got somebody in studio who's then, working on that which stuff. Which then gets into the whole you know who's who's calling the shots? Is it is it managers? Is it you know uh, kind of partners in 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 him as a songwriter, or is it him just kind of saying, "All right, I've done my thing. Let's do something completely different." Well, like, and I I will say that like one thing that I haven't seen in any of the things that I've read mm-hmm. are is is any kind of um of a beyond like an out outcoming or an outpouring of like what his sort of life experience has been. Yeah, I haven't seen why he's in front of the mic. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. Like, I think he's a perfectly serviceable performer. I totally get, in my opinion, like, I understand why the people who are, like, really 
glom onto this record. I can see threads of what it is. That, like even though it's not my probably my the first thing that I would choose. Like sure. I can see why pe- people would like it. I guess what I don't understand is like okay, is it just that you don't you know that you want to expand as an artist, or is it that you know I'm tired of writing songs for other people and I want to write stuff that's or is, backed out against my or own. Or is this a mar- is it a record as a marketing move to get him out there as a big could, show? Well, no, it could as be. As a songwriter. Could you know, be. Like to get him even more known and you know move into a, a higher sphere of, of songwriting. I mean, this record could be just a career move. Well, and if you think about it, too, it's like the way that, the way that it gets spun up is that on his fourth trip to rehab, fourth... It's like that's the one that took apparently. sequentially too. This isn't through his life. This is sequentially. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, so yeah. So his fourth trip to rehab, like one of the nurses or helpers or assistants, someone who worked there, said, "Hey, why don't you keep a journal?" And so he started writing songs. They became the record that he put out by himself the first time around. Mm-hmm. And so I think it sounds to me like that's kind of what led him on a path to trying to write for, like, put his own experience out there a little bit. Sure. Um, anyway, yeah, it, you know, and I don't think, in my opinion, not all of these land. Some of them are, like, try to be a little bit anthemic. Um, some of them obviously extend beyond the genre, which I think is, you know, laudable. He also looks a little bit like a, like a, Travel, like an old-timey traveling circus version of uh, Country Hugh Laurie, which I can't seem to get my head around. But or or <laughs> like, or character or totally see that. Yeah. or an extra out of uh, the movie uh, Wild Wild West. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, they've all got that little the like the little like is it a bowler? Is it a cowboy hat? A, we don't know. What I it mean, is. if he's missing a limb too, that's even better. You know, like uh, it just adds to the mystique of that. Old no, thing, you would so. think that 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 look comes like right off the shelf with a harmonica. That's exactly the way that they, <laughs> it's what they, it's what they give you. But anyway, um, okay. Well, we're, we're kind of getting close to the middle of the show. So do we want, we want to spend one more before, why don't we do, let's do one more. Okay. Let's do one more. And then we'll on that. Break. Um, Mark, you got a, you got a thought. I have, I have an idea for one. I mean, actually, why don't Why don't you guys think about what we'll play on the on the second uh, half, and then let's do the title track because I feel like that's. Uh, I was going to suggest it's a great one. Cool. Let's do it. I've been hungry like a stray dog in an old abandoned town. Went running just for running sake, cause I couldn't settle down. I have died. Kings and princes Been granted all three wishes They I just left me Wishing I had more And I I keep trying to get high But the need for satisfaction Leaves me so unsatisfied I I am a little more content A little more with who I am and who I was And I have learned to love the comfort when it comes Like a first cigarette in the morning bus. Yeah, so, you know, here's a guy who has kind of been through the ringer and back um, Maybe even somewhat literally And now takes 
pleasure in certain little, like the the kind of tiny bit of escape that he gets first thing in the morning by, you know, lighting up and taking it easy. I don't know, Alec. What do you think? You know, this this is the track that my, one of the probably my first or second favorite pick on this record. Uh, it was like I said, very genuine. You could tell this is from the roots. The production was, I think, more in his wheelhouse. Something he was comfortable with. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we we're talking about it. it's supposed to be very bare bones production on here, and that song represents it. One of my, my big complaints of this whole album, though, is I feel like a lot of the songs are ruined with the transition into the next one. On this one, there's this real abrupt tape stop, and then there's a couple seconds extra, and then it goes in the next song. It's not even like a fluid. I feel like a lot of the songs here are ruined by the endings, but this one does stand out. His, his vocal is a little raspy, shows off the range. It's kind of got that echo and the, the reverb, and it's a little Springsteen, Nebraska. I'm sure that's what he was gunning for. I think it was a good track. I hate to say that that one stands out because it doesn't sound like him, but it, but, but really, I mean, it does. Like it, it sounds like a, a different guy or him. Maybe that really is him. Maybe the other stuff. Is I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. So well, I think maybe that's really him. And even though there's a lot of it that's con- like uh, that's confessional, like that track feels like a little bit more contemplative than some of the other the others, and it kind of takes fair. its time getting there. So uh, okay, so that yeah, that's the title track, first cigarette. Um, Let's go into uh, the middle of the show, and uh, we're going to let Alec take a guest turn at a few minutes with. We'll be right back with that. How many bands is it now at South By? Is it? It was 1,300 the last time that I remember, like, a reasonable number of, like, how many would come into town. I mean, like, official and unofficial. It's I'm going to say, like, yeah, I'm not talking about, like, you know, Bob I'm, and his friends who decide to play in a corner somewhere and are not yeah, on I mean, the They were so good, though. Yo, well, sure. I mean, yeah. that goes without saying. But, swag. Uh, right. It's about all about the swag. I, mean, I think the number that gets thrown around, about, oh, gets thrown around a lot is, you know, in the neighborhood of 2,000. I've heard that figure before as well. So okay, like yeah. Per- and yeah, there there was a lot of conventional wisdom about the the festival being made smaller this year, so that it wasn't as kind of overblown and uh, and what have you as 2014. So I don't know if that uh, brought the total number of acts down in any meaningful way, but we were lousy with bands and artists here. Yeah, for, no, yeah. There, I mean, there were lots. It doesn't. It, there might have been fewer bands, but it doesn't seem like. The, the nightly lineups were any less dense than nope. a typical year. They, I, I think their approach to, to downsizing this year was not booking bonkersly large headlining acts that play arenas to play clubs. Well, I think there's a lot less of that, and there's yeah. more focus on the small bands where it should be. And yeah. and and to that end, I I uh, use that as an example because we're kind of we're kind of breaking a little like not breaking maybe it's a fracture and we'll bandage it up and see if we can fix it next week but the but um but we're letting we're letting Alec bring us something that's a little bit newer for the few minutes with segment and uh Alec tell us tell us what we're going to hear yeah so this is a, a wonderful lady that uh I got to see a couple times over south by her name is Carolyn Rose I'm sorry Caroline Rose uh, I keep saying Carolyn you get so close yeah <laughs> uh but she is a she's a pretty witty young lady who likes to write really powerful songs in snappy indie pop format. So you might hear your feminist anthem in you know a digestible little burrito of pop. All right, let's do it. 
That, uh, the video is a great example of us living in the uh, the DIY music video era. Uh, it was it's pretty kitschy. Yeah, you know, and it kind of reminded me. I don't know if you've ever seen any of uh, Angel Olsen's music videos. Kind of mm-hmm. very sure closed down locations that are usually popular wigs, all the fun stuff. Yeah, but one thing I was concerned about: um, did she have enough jackets? Like how many? How many coats do we need, really? How many red coats, too? There was a lot of red coats. Exactly. There was a lot of red yes. going on in that it, video. It was a lot. But, yeah, but, no, the, the funny thing was about that song was that uh, I was like, it did, like, it does, it it's totally feels a little DIY, uh, and and for about the first, I don't know, third of it, I was like, okay, this is cute, and then I, like, it started to grab me, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess now I'm in it. Like, so, <laughs> right. anyway, no, I got, like, I, I got a kick out of that track. Same uh, energy is great. And the first third or so reminded me the thought that popped in my head was like, this is what um, Liz Fair would have sounded like if Liz Fair had grown up with hip hop as a popular art form for her entire life and had a better sense of humor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> got to throw that in there. And, you know, obviously this gal is using the word cock uh, a great deal less, too. But um, no, I mean, it's just like there's kind of that. Kind of witty, kind of wry, kind of wise ass lyric thing going on, but but also the production had definitely a lot more of a of a rhythmic feel to what what Liz Fair did. But I think there was a little bit of of kind of a kindred spirit there. But then it kind of jumped up to a whole another level for the rest of the song, and I don't know. I liked it all the way around, man. Like it's it's a it's a jam. No, that video is a gas. Like you know, they're not trying to to your point, Alec. They're not trying to do anything. Difficult, and there are some. There are some like, uh, like little bit. There's some hipster tropes happening, but uh, but it was yeah, like totally watchable. And I can see that being a to- that song being a total gas live, like just you know, it's it's a, a track that you know, uh, and say what you want, but I like being at shows where girls like to dance, and I can see that totally being the case uh, with that. So. Um, I, Seeing that performed live, I think would be a, a ton of fun as well. So, I think mean, the, the I, I biggest could, oh sorry, I think the biggest kick I got out of it was uh, the portrait of herself on the shirt, and the shirt had the portrait like the the shirtception kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. The continuing mirrors. There's a, there's a lot of subtle quirk to it. I was just gonna say with all the uh, with all the running that she was doing on that beach, I actually my Fitbit actually logged in about one thousand steps just watching that <laughs> oh, video. Did you yeah. from your vicarious Fitbit? Yeah. 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 Vicarious Fitbit. Next year's buzz band right. at South by Southwest. Uh, no doubt, I'm sure. Yeah, so I I feel like she's got a little bit there's a little bit of um kindred spirit going on with um and certainly she's not as accomplished as this artist, but um you all gotta start somewhere. Uh there's a little bit of like she doesn't take herself seriously like uh, say Courtney Barnett. 
So it's, it's, it's really funny right. you mention this. This is her second album. The first album is a very serious folk album. It, nothing sounds like this it. This is not that. No, no, no. She, I think she found herself on this one. The production's really fun. Uh, I encourage you to check out, everyone to check out this album. It's called uh, Loner. Uh, I think it's going somewhere. All right. Well, hot damn. Thank you. All right. Well, why don't we get back into on, on that? The hilarity. Let's bring it down about 18 notches, shall we? Yeah. Let's pick it up on the other side. Okay, so uh, we're back talking about Travis Meadows' first cigarette. Not his literal first cigarette, which I assume was many, many years ago. Because that guy is 52, and he looks like he might be 70. Like You said he started doing like actual hard drugs at 11. Yeah. So no, he's weathered. He's, he's weathered. Cig- first cigarette, I'm guessing age five. I don't know. Well, right. First when, cigarette, I'm guessing about... Uh, Maybe six fifteen. Six, yeah. <laughs> Watch, watching the sun come up. Yeah. So uh, I do. It does give me an opportunity. And so the reason that this guy came, like that, was on my radar at all. Excuse me. Was that uh, that Rolling Stone called him Nashville's most badass songwriter or something like that? You know, and they're given to the incendiary headline. They stroked him off. Let's they, be. Let's be may, honest. Maybe the. Um, this, but this was also because they're also uh, big fans of random lists. This was number twenty on the twenty seventeen top forty country LPs of of twenty seventeen on Rolling Stone. So, anyway, that certainly is an opinion. Could you name forty country LPs right That's, now? Yeah, no, no. I mean not not if you gave me any era, which is like which is another thing. It's like you know we were all kind of talking over the break a little bit about how like. You know, we, you, the thing about doing these shows is that it's very difficult. Almost the hardest ones to do are the ones where you have no opinion or where things are fine or like mm-hmm. there are some, you know, there's a, there's some shade and some light and, uh, but the ones that are, that tend to be the easiest and go the fastest, either you just beat them like a pinata for an hour, which we have certainly done or, uh, or we all agree, and those are can that actually those shows can be really hard after the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> little little bit of uh, breaking the fourth wall here, but but I do think uh, kind of the prevailing sentiment as we were talking about this coming out of the break was just that, like it's it seems like a pretty good record. Like it's not necessarily our cup of tea. It's certainly not necessarily my cup of tea. But like I can uh, like I get the artistry behind it, and I get again like I I can see why some of the fans are fans. And I mean, it's a kind of a, a cliche in, in musical ter- uh, mu- musical circles, but you know, maybe this is kind of a transitional record. If it's the first one he didn't produce, uh, or you know, he wasn't the major guiding force uh, in terms of the kind of what the final product sounded like and what, what it was shaped like. You know, maybe this gives him uh, another view of how to do things. I mean, every piece of art is kind of a learning experience, and this one certainly isn't bad. I think, but it's got some potholes in it, and I think. Maybe this leads to something pretty interesting coming down the road next for him. So, I, I mean, you know, we've been I bagged on him a little, a little bit harshly over the course of the show. I certainly think he's got some promise, and uh, I can see kind of glints of 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 
a real talent uh, all over the thing. I just think that there's it didn't quite cohere the right way. So I think it maybe points to something uh, pretty interesting and and and. and Encouraging up ahead. Let me pose this question to you guys. Do you think that part of the reason, like, because the other thing is, like, I find myself trying to sort of reconstruct what it's like to see this guy live within the the sort of, to use the, the political term, like within the beltway of, of Nashville, like mm-hmm. within the industry. And what I wonder is, it's like, it, it feels to me, and I'm sure it's maybe more complicated than this, but... It feels to me like Nashville's a little bit paint by number sometimes, and if somebody comes along that feels like they break the mold, even in not a particularly elegant way, like maybe maybe it's not everything that it's supposed to be True. yet, but it's different, and it's not necessarily as predetermined as some of the other stuff. Like, is it just is it just do they love it because it's not all the other stuff that they're so used to hearing? To be honest, uh, I feel I, I feel kind of bad for this guy. Um, I feel like he might have got swindled out of his, his baby. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, we hear from artists. Who, I'm not huge on country, but Sturgill Simpson, I think, is the man, and he's talked about uh, kind of opposing the the Nashville conglomerate and what that looks like, and how they'll immediately outcast you if you if you question what they're doing. And I think this guy kind of played his cards right, and he, he fed into the the farm system of writing a couple songs for folks. I think his story is extremely marketable, and I think they're they're hopping on that. And, you know, I, I even read how when he was having cancer, he had chemotherapy. It said He said that it affected his hearing, and he's only ever really been able to, to make out singer-songwriters. Everything else is a little bit difficult for him to hear. So that's the music that he writes. And this album falls outside of that in certain places. There's a lot of singer-songwriter, and I think you can tell when it's him. And but the, this big producer, I think, might have uh, might have stole the show a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, 100. percent I did. We, you know, we did. I did mention earlier the uh, the 2010 release, but we didn't talk about what it's called, which is "Killing Uncle Buzzy," which I think is one of the <laughs> That's great, a great title. It's it's not only great, and it's great. Let's let's be clear. But From rehab, he wrote this. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's it is. It's also pretty linear, and so I feel like there's a little bit of that that thread too that plays forth right the mm-hmm. idea that this stuff is a story that he's spinning out over time and you know maybe he's not all the way there and i you know the other thing we we i haven't mentioned is that like and i have i've talked about it ad nauseum on this show which is part of the reason i haven't gone into it but it's like i'm not a springsteen fan mm-hmm. and so when i can i can hear those echoes and that that doesn't do anything for me but it's like I I am intrigued by the fact that he just somehow or another got to a place where he's like, here is here, my approach from now on is going to be to put it down on paper and put it in songs and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm in no position to argue. Like, I, I, yeah, I think again, um, it is you know it is what it is. It's it's a, a every art, every piece of art is an experiment, and I think Alec hit the hit the nail on the head with with regard to kind of getting maybe roped into what the traditional sound or what someone had a vision for and just saying, okay, go along, going along with that again, is maybe a career move. You wonder how it is that folks like Sturgill Simpson or Jason Isbell or even Chris Stapleton kind of get the, the, the uh, leash to do whatever the hell they want. Whereas someone like this, who's written songs and, and, and has been successful as a songwriter, why he gets kind of 
held to heel a little bit more. I mean, I don't yeah, know it's what, a good the, question, what the politics of all that is like. It was, I hope he gets a little bit more latitude next time around. To I think if you give him an inch, they're going to take a mile over there. Eh, probably. Well, and the three guys that you mentioned, maybe with the to a to a shade like uh, degree difference from Stapleton, like the other two guys are just flat out iconoclasts. Sure. So it's like they like they've made their bones on kind of punking the industry a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, okay, well let's why don't we do let's let's play one more. And um, Alec, you had one in particular that you were you were drawn to. Was it Long Live Cool? Yeah, the, the closing track on there. Again, I feel like there's a handful of songs on here that are truly him. Uh, and I, I feel like he might have had some some say in this one. So let's go with uh, Long Live Cool. All right, let's spin it. Jerry Lee played me rock and roll. They say Robert Johnson sold his soul. Some fires you just can't control. Long live cool. Moonshine made a faster car. Muscle came and raised the bar. Some are born to speed like shooting stars. Long live cool. Where the bridge is looking for devils to fight. Tightrope walkers on the short end of the night. Shining hope to all us broken lights. It's all Was long live cool. Uh, that was the closing track on there. I felt like it was a it was a pretty appropriate and fitting closing track for it. Uh, again, reading about this, they made it sound like it was very raw production. That one sounded like the real deal, uh, totally untampered, real kind of Americana takes, harmonicas, Hank Williams references, you name it. It's a it's a twangy little rocky number when you compare it to some of the other things. It's a good little ditty. Yeah, yeah. But you lose me when uh, when when they're just. Uh, huge giant Robert Johnson references. Mm. In I know, song. I know. Like, That's I, the writer I, in you. Uh, I yeah. felt, yeah, I felt like the the first few verses of this song was was kind of almost uh, pick, picked up a rhyming dictionary and just kind of dropped his finger on it and just kind of wrote down whatever right. was there. You yeah. know, it, he had, he dialed up the thesaurus in the rhyming dictionary. It felt a little cliche at points to me. I, I'm I'm still kind of banking on it. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but I don't think his his reading level might be the highest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess soup to nuts. All in all, like this is a this is one of these tracks that I can, you know, I, I get. Like if you're mm-hmm. who based on who your audience is, like this is probably one of these that maybe feels like it's a little bit more complete live, or at least it's a it's a you know leave them on an energetic note. I will say this: I would be interested to to hear this material performed live and to see how much how much of a departure it is live because i think it's probably pretty i think you're probably significant right. funny yeah. you mention that he speaking and also knowing your audience he is playing nine shows in texas this tour good lord wow all right and none of them are in austin that's interesting well all right take that make from that what you will Anyway, yeah, so that's the uh, – and I feel like we got a chance to, to get to know uh, good Mr. Meadows through his uh, first cigarette release a little bit tonight. Mark, any um, final thoughts before we go into well, the last segment? I was kind of curious. I don't want 
dig too deep into this, but you know, we don't we don't have Ryan here with us tonight. And we I mean, country is not completely foreign to us. We've we've covered some some country stuff here. We've done some Sturgill Simpson. Some, yeah. We've done some Dolly Parton. So there's Jerry Reed. Some Jerry Reed. There's there's definitely some there's subgenres within country, right? Right. Um, where does this fall? Like this isn't this isn't the annoying pop country that I think none of us really can stand. But. Yeah, no, it's not. It's certainly not as outlaw as Sturgill Simpson. Like, but it's not. No one would. I don't think anyone like per what we were talking about a minute ago. Like, I don't think anyone would mistake it for mainstream. You know. Uh, button-down country. It's kind, of, it's kind of in it got a toes toes in a couple places. It's got like a right. little bit of a no depression thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a little bit of Steve Earle, a little bit of straight you know, Americana singer songwriter. Um, you know, the song that we just listened to has um, is a, a great deal more traditional, not traditional country, but uh, has more of a, of a country heart to it. I thought. I thought so. It's a little bit weirdly uh, in a lot of different boxes i think yeah so again going back to maybe losing some control to the producer here uh the producer is jay joyce he's made his bread and butter on nashville country but the guys also ran the spectrum and you can kind of hear it here he's done records with fiddler and uh kg elephant he's done some middle grounds with patty griffin emilu harris and then he's also done stuff for the the keith urbans and the little big town so that is some range yeah especially fiddler yeah, I was like, that one kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that either. So I, mean, I think, uh, again, I think talking about such a having your, your toes in multiple pools, the producer does as well and yeah. might have had the final say here. Well, Kevin, thanks, though. I mean, I think, you know, it was... you got to shake a, it up a little. It's a, departure from, uh, it's a departure from what I would probably normally queue up on my own. Well, here's the thing. I thought what we really should do is 25 weeks in a row of Britpop. Yeah. And then uh, just rip it off like a Band-Aid uh, over mm. uh, something that hasn't clearly healed yet. No, anyway, I, I thought this was I thought this was an opportunity to, to you know, dip a toe in a different pool. And uh, and I literally, you know, based on the premise of the show, right, like I literally did not know this record at all. I feel like I've got a little bit of a handle on uh, what he brings to the table. And I'll be curious to see what the next release sounds like. Cool. All right, so let's uh, let's get on with it. So we're we're gonna throw Chad to the wolves on uh, on on bringing something uh, new for a current affair. So I last evening I, I texted you because I I don't know if it was last night or the night before something like that. Yeah, um, but I you know I, it was a case where I heard a song, saw a video, and I thought, well, this is this has got to be the song that we talk about. It's the song that I think is going to. Yeah, you know, it's a little probably a little too early to say a song of the summer kind of a thing, but I think this song is going to be in a lot of people's lives for a lot of the next year, uh, or at least the next couple months. So this week for a current affair, we are going to check out Migos and Drake doing "Walk It, Talk It." Walk it like I talk it, talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Yeah. Take my shoes and walk a mile, something that you can't do. Talks of the town, big boy gang moves, gang moves. I like to walk around with my chain loose. Chain, chain. She just bought a new ass, but got the same booze. Same booze. Whipping up dope scientists. Whip it up, whip it up, cook it up, cook it up, That's my sauce where you find it. That's my sauce when you look it up, look it up, find it. Adding up checks, no minus. Add it up, add it up, add it up, add it up. Yeah. Get your respect in diamonds. Ice, 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 ice. 
I bought a plane, Jane, roll it, these niggas bought they fame. Ooh. I think my back got stolen, yo said, cause I swore the lane. Heard you signed your life for that brand new chain. I heard. Think it came with strikes, but you ain't straight with the game. Gang, gang. Walk it like I talk it, walk it, walk it like I talk it, walk yeah. it, walk it like I talk it, talk it, walk it like I uh, You're welcome, everybody. Wow. Man. <laughs> what just happened? A trip happened. <laughs> so, so we've had several videos in the course of this show that were filmed live on American Bandstand or, oh, sure. yeah. or you know, British TV or I, maybe even Soul Train. I'm not sure. Maybe. That was a trip. No, it was great. It was great. And homage doesn't really cover it. Like, it <laughs> no. Was, it, it's like straight up cloning. It's immersive. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it checks – Every single box of something that I like, um, and you know, part of me, I want to go out to like Sixth Street this weekend just to see how, like, what, like to the, some of the dance clubs, just to see how omnipresent that song is going to be. Because or is slip going, a note to the DJ. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be everywhere, um, and I'm starting to crib little asides from Migos that I can slip into everyday conversations. That that. That that song's yeah, that, it's it's hot. Sure, that's it, what I would have figured from you. I mean, <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, but I think Chad is right. Uh, it has the uh, all the components for a song of the summer. It's got the Migos triplet. It has Drake. You know, the kids love Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even we got a kick out of the video. Right. I mean, you know, now the, I mean, I haven't given it the ear test. I haven't heard the song independent of the video, and you know, this is like a perfect marriage of song plus video, kind of. Uh, uh, greater than the sum of its parts, maybe. So I don't know how the song's going to live on its own. I'll be interested to see that. But taken together, I mean, ten out of ten. I no, think. but I, you know, and I also see too. It's like all the Donald Glover love that these guys get. Sure, like, it totally makes sense to me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's a. It's probably queued up for somewhere on Atlanta this season. I'm sure. Well, if it, and in fact, like I think these guys have already had. I. Um, I've watched a few episodes of that show, mm-hmm. and I will not provide any uh, spoilers. But um, yeah, I think I think maybe those guys, so at least some of them, have been on that show right this season. Right. So, so um, cool I, video, Chad. I, as soon as like I said, as soon as I I saw like a two minute sample clip of it, I was like, need more now. And it, it was weird, like when it dropped, kind of my Twitter started exploding of just like everyone going nuts about that song, and so. When you kind of get right into the ground level of something blowing up, it's pretty cool to see it. I don't know about you, but I can never have enough Jamie Foxx. Also true. Yes, yes. All right. Well, (laughs) uh, on that note, (laughs) I mean, can anybody? I can. (laughs) (laughs) Way to be a killjoy, ass. He's fine. But but uh, I'm going home and watching Bad Boys. Okay. Um, But I do think that. I, yeah, I do think that like the 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 gag at the front end of that video with uh, with him as the you know sort of the host of the the Soul Train Club, the Don Cornelius. Yeah, uh, totally. It totally works. It totally works. Anyway, um, that was a fun joint. I will look forward to uh, hearing it seventeen thousand times over <laughs> no the next couple of months. <laughs> you know, I think a good measuring stick for it. I think it was Daft Punk that did the the Soul Train video on the last album they did. Yeah, and that definitely topped it. When you're and when you're topping Daft Punk. Oh sure. Yeah, you're you're in good territory. It's no easy feat. Yeah, exactly. Everybody get a disguise. So, uh, Mark, yes, what sir. Are you, what are we doing next week? 
So uh, this was recommended to me a couple of years ago, and I haven't really followed up on it, so I don't know it. And uh, we're going to talk about the uh, 2008 release by a band called Department of Eagles. It's In Ear Park. Okay. Well, I will look forward to that, and uh, I guess until next week, well, literally until next week, (laughs) I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. I'm Chad. It's been an honor, and I'm Alec. Thanks, guys. This is Somebody Likes It.